Thanks for listening to Matt McLaughlin History. Become a subscriber to receive exclusive bonus episodes, ad-free listening, early access to all episodes, and special member-only events. Click on the link in the show notes or visit patreon.com forward slash mmhistory. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on another special edition of the Living History Podcast. We are going to talk again about our exciting cruise that we've got coming up, our World War II cruise, which is taking place in August 2020, and very excited to announce that joining us on that voyage as the Master of Ceremonies for the conference on board the cruise is Mr. Chris Masters, and he's joining us today to talk about the cruise and and all things to do with history. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, good on you, Matt. More than happy. It's going to be a great voyage, Chris. We're going to spend time exploring these key battlefields in Milne Bay and Rabaul, but the thing I'm most excited about is this fantastic conference program we have during the voyage um, with some absolutely brilliant historians. Why do you think it's important to tell these stories? You've been a journalist for Four Corners and the ABC for years and one of Australia's best-known journalists. In, in From that perspective, why is it important that we remember 1942, that we remember these stories of the Second World War? It's critically important, and it's also, as it happens, very interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I'm very interested in military history of Covered a lot of conflict in my time, uh, covered uh, um, all over the world. And uh, I think if you're an Australian, you've got to be interested in 1942, critical year. Uh, the sovereignty of Australia was imperiled. Some uh, fiercely contested battles were fought by the Americans uh, and the Australians uh, on our doorstep. I mean, New Guinea was Australian territory at the time. Um, so, uh, you know, to track through 1942, if you're interested in military history and you're an Australian, I can't think of anything uh, more important. Have you been to these destinations, to Milne Bay and Rabaul? Have you walked the ground there before? Yes, I have. Uh, I, I've, I've walked the ground at Milne Bay, uh, 
my aunt was the mother superior at the, at the convent in Milne Bay for years, so uh, got a bit of family history there as well. And, of course, uh, made a documentary on uh, Kokoda back in 95, the, the Men Who Saved Australia. A bit of um, overkill there, I think, but, you know, never mind. Uh, it, it's, uh, as you are, I'm also extremely interested in uh, the, the role the Americans played in, in uh, saving Australia, and I'm sure this is all going to come out in, in the conference. Do you think it's possible to interpret that history, to understand more about what went on by actually walking the ground in these iconic oh, sites? Yes. Well, when I travel, I always try to take a book with me that's relevant to the, the geography. Uh, walking the ground um, absolutely brings it alive, as well you know. And uh, Milne Bay itself is fascinating. You know, it was argued at the time that this was the first time that uh, the Japanese were defeated on, on land uh, and... Uh, um, you know, uh, and it, and it was a an, an air battle as well as a, a tensely fought uh, ground battle. Uh, Milne Bay is fascinating. Uh, Rabaul even more so, you know, because it became a, it was such a critical hub of of the Japanese thrust into the South Pacific, and it it remained there as a garrison for the extent of the war. Fascinating story of Rabaul at the beginning. Fascinating story all the way through because it was the base for the various attacks on uh, Moresby, Australia, and uh, and uh, the Solomons, and uh, uh, fascinating uh, at the end of the war as well. Fascinating when you consider the extraordinary aerial battles that went on over Rabaul for years. Imagine you could remove all the water from around these islands and just see what wrecks lie there. I mean, in Guadalcanal, they call it Iron Bottom Sound because of the amount of ships and planes that, that went down there. It just, the, the, I don't think we can begin to comprehend the quantity, even just in, in Simpson Harbour at Rabal, the quantity of aircraft and ships that just litter the seafloors in this area. It's just, it's just astonishing, some of these battles of 42, aren't and, they? And it gives a perspective to a sea cruise too. You know, we always talk about walking the ground, uh, but actually uh, exploring the coast is also fascinating. You're beginning to see it through the eyes of, of many of the participants. Uh, even when you and I were at uh, Gallipoli, I remember um, swimming in the ocean and looking at the sea floor and seeing another world. You mentioned we're going to be on the ship, and it, it's something that just struck me that I hadn't focused on very much before, but we're going to be sailing right through the Coral Sea. We're going to go up through the heart of where that battle was fought in uh, in forty two. Let's talk about 1942, because we were discussing this only a little bit earlier about just what an extraordinary year that was. I mean, the Japanese had been marauding through Asia and the Pacific Pearl Harbor had obviously been attacked at the end of 41, but in 1942, just the, the, the breadth of what was going on, it must have been terrifying for the people of Australia. Yes, well, I think uh, General Blamey came back and said we were like gazelles grazing on the edge of, a, of the jungle. Early 1942, the, the, the war had only broken out in December 41, the, the Pacific War, and uh, by early 42, Japan was being bombed. Uh, uh, Singapore had, fell, had fallen. We'd, we'd basically lost the 8th Division. Uh, Rabaul, of course, had fallen. Um, and, and there was this uh, fingernail struggle to 
hang on to the Solomon Islands, if the Japanese had have been able to hold Henderson Field and cut off the sea lanes, well, this is a good question for the for the cruise itself. You know, how much was Australia under threat? But I think our our notions of sovereignty were were absolutely challenged, no matter how you look at it. I think you're absolutely right. There's no question Australia was desperately under threat in 1942. I don't think it was under threat in the way that we think it was. We weren't under threat because there was a risk of Japanese soldiers landing in Sydney Harbour. We weren't under under threat in that that visceral way that we often talk about it. But if, if things had gone differently in 1942, it would have been disastrous, not just for the outcome of the Second World War, but for also for Australia in general. And that's why we see things like the fear that must have been in the minds of every Australians when submarines are coming into Sydney Harbour, when the, all the attacks are going on on northern Australia. Just an absolutely pivotal moment in Australian history, wasn't it? Well, how, how could America have prosecuted the Pacific War if... Australia and New Zealand had been cut off. I mean, I think they knew that. They knew that it was a, a life or death struggle uh, and, and you know, we, we, we owe them a lot. And, of course, it's interesting too, Matt, because some of those same dynamics uh, are still uh, alive and unwell today. I mean, the, 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 the defence of Australia is, is still a critical issue and essentially it's about protecting the sea lanes because there's not much chance of us actually defending our shores. It's an unending thread that extends, well, from before the Second World War onwards through Vietnam and to modern times, this, this link with America, the, the, the jungle warfare against the, the enemies in Asia and the Pacific. I mean, this is, a, this is an ongoing story, isn't it? I mean, we, we won't get too much into the, the modern aspects of this, but it's, it's important to note that there is a continuing thread that, that extends back effectively for a century in this part of the world, isn't there? Yes, I mean, the, the US alliance is very much born of those particular experiences and I think it's the fundamental reality for us all now that uh, just like in 1942 we were relying on a, a great and powerful um, ally. That's always the way it's going to be. But great to see uh, what Australia did as well, and this will be a big subject for uh, discussion on the cruise. Um, the fighting in New Guinea was important. Uh, the fighting in Bougainville is so interesting. The story of Rabaul um, is 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 so interesting. I mean, the Americans were giving Australians a lot of credit uh, towards the end of the war for being substantial ground fighters. So that evolution is fascinating too, don't you think? Uh, the way we we learn how to do it, just like we did in the First World War. Um, kind of re- reckless and uncertain at Gallipoli, but extremely competent warfighters by the time we get to Mont St. Quentin in 1918. And, and I think that's also true in the, in the New Guinea theatre. Absolutely. And Gary Mackay, the, the renowned Vietnam veteran, is joining us uh, on the cruise. And that's exactly his topic, is the evolution of jungle warfare. He's going to talk about what it means for the blokes with the boots on the ground when the the, the learning curve that was required to, to take on the Japanese in this, these hostile environments. So that's going to be absolutely remarkable because he has a personal link in that. The lessons they learnt in the Second World War kept him alive in Vietnam. And we did a great podcast with Gary last week exactly on this subject. So go back and listen to that if you, uh, if you haven't heard that one. But that's going to be absolutely fascinating to hear Gary's input as someone whose life depended on learning these lessons that they'd established during the Second World War. It's going to be fascinating to hear Gary talking about 
his experiences and, and the link to the Second World War. And wonderful perspective being there on the boat and getting a sense of what it was like to search for the Japanese across that endless sea and uh, and on, on the land too. I mean, nobody, the Japanese included, anticipated just how hard that land campaign would be considering the, the terrain, the dense jungle. One of the historians that we've got joining us is Kiko Tamura from Australian National University. And I have to say she is probably the one that that the other historians are most interested in hearing from as well because she's Japanese-Australian. She's done a lot of work over the last several decades on the Japanese experience and how that relates to the Australian experience. I mean, you, you must be the same. You must be looking forward to hearing her perspective on the Japanese. Do you think we give the Japanese experience of the Second World War a, a, enough attention in this whole story? Well, it's, it's, it's always true in the way we, we tell uh, military history. We, we tell it from our own perspective, and I agree with you. I was always um, battling to understand the, the Japanese perspective as well. I remember when I was doing the Kokoda documentary, uh, doing interviews with, with some of the veterans in, in Japan. It is fascinating. It's also fascinating to hear their perspective on us. I remember one Japanese veteran telling me, we were, we were in the jungle in New Guinea and he, he said, I saw this Australian soldier advancing on us. He didn't even have a shirt on, you know, and he said it was stunning for him because he thought to himself, gee, I wouldn't do that. And, you know, and, and they thought of themselves as a great warrior people. I think the, the aspect of the conference that I'm most looking forward to is the panel discussions that we're, that we're planning to do that you're going to, uh, to moderate and this is when we're going to assemble a number of our historians and talk about uh, some fairly broad topics. Um, you've done this sort of thing before. What's your perspective on that? What can, what can that experience of having a number of knowledgeable people discussing a topic together in a quite a conversational way, have you found that that's a good way to convey history? It's a good way to convey information in these, these sorts of forums? It's a great way. I mean, you can sit and read, uh, but there's nothing like, one, uh, being there, and two, ha- having an expert who knows that um, that this is not just important, but but it's interesting, can can communicate a rounded story. You know, it's it's. It's interactive. I mean, uh, if you don't know something, you ask a question. It's, it's a great way to do it. What are you most looking forward to on this journey, Chris? Do you know, I, I like so much about this. I mean, I'm particularly interested in, in this part of the world anyway, so it's great to be able to go there. But uh, I've done a few of these before, and actually uh, I like the people. I like it when uh, I'm walking along uh, the corridor and, and I meet somebody from that generation and they talk to me about their family history and, and their family experiences. You know, we think of them as being a heroic generation. I'm getting on now. Um, I love every opportunity to to connect with people who, who know that that part of history. And as I said to you before, there's no more important year in Australian history, in, 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 in Australian white history, than 1942. So it's great to be able to look deeply at that. Chris, it's going to be a wonderful uh, experience. Thank you for your time here today talking to us about the cruise. Good on you, mate. Thank you.
and everyone who's listening, um, come and join us on the voyage. Come and join Chris Masters and our other wonderful team of historians. We've got it's on our on our eleven day cruise from Brisbane in August two thousand twenty. Uh, go to the website at battlefields.com.au for full details. But we hope to see you on the cruise. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.